Assalamu alaikum everyone. Hope you guys are doing absolutely phenomenal. Coming at you guys with a, another podcast with your best brothers on the planet. My name is Yasin, and we're here with the number one. I'm number two, number one brother on planet right here with my man. I'll take it. Sohail. I mean, I'll take it. This is me. This is Sohail. It, we're back That's... at it another week. <laughs> Gotta dive in. Yeah, absolutely. We got, a, we got a really juicy one for you guys today. For all you guys out there who are interested in those deep dive topics and as you guys know the recurring theme of our podcast episodes are we're all about hacking your way to getting a lamborghini okay that is the number one thing that we focus on that is literally the only purpose of this entire podcast is exploring different topics whether that be deen or dunya related so that way you can purchase your first lamborghini um i think we should just name it how to buy a lamborghini that should be the name of the podcast bro i mean i'm like down that. but okay just a quick <laughs> aside are you if you had one choice of a car you choose a lambo uh no it'd be a tesla okay okay so then no, where does that how where where no, we need yeah, to get a lambo no, 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 yeah, where does that come from realistically like as a practical car or like mm-hmm. do you mean like in a hypothetical dream world where like driving your car to work didn't matter if you had a lot of dispensable money and you could just choose any car and i could only pick one and yeah in this case like your one dream yeah let's say your dream car let's say your dream car yeah, so like in that case, I have to be practical. Like the practical side of me has to come out because I have to think about okay, how am I going to drive to the office? How am I going to pick up groceries? Right? No, like, no, 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 no. forget you know, about it. Forget about that. Let's say let's say you have that car, and then now you want a side like for fun car. Oh yeah, we're talking about Lambo. That. Lambo. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Hundred yeah. percent. How about you? I think I'd choose McLaren. I think I really like McLarens. Uh-huh. Yeah, because they're more they're more like suave. I think they're more like smooth, and it's like a Porsche without looking like a Porsche in my head. That makes sense. Yeah, that are, makes sense. Yeah, but but I was just no just for me. Clarifying. Yeah, <laughs> no for me, Lambos are like fulfilling like a childhood dream because like the Murcielago was something that I looked at for the longest time, and then mm. um, the Aventador was just like, oh, this Aventador, that's amazing, looks like a fighter jet. So yeah, Lambo would be the. Uh, so we can we can adapt our, our podcast name. How to buy a McLaren or a Lambo? That's okay. the uh, the podcast name. <laughs> and so <laughs> today's uh, today's episode, you guys, we're actually going to be talking on how to hack your brain in order to purchase your first McLaren and Lamborghini. And we're really going to talk about beliefs. We're going to talk about thoughts. We're going to talk about some really deep diving topics that I think you guys are going to find very, very, very interesting. And so as always, Sohail, I'm going to throw it over to you so that way you can kind of give everybody a preface of what it is that we're going to be diving into. Yeah. So hmm, where do we start? I think that at least from my experience um, and from what I've learned from you is that when it comes to habits and routines, obviously we should have like an overarching um, framework for what we want to achieve, right? We always want a goal. Um, we don't just pick up habits for the sake of picking them up. There's some reason behind it. And uh, a big thing that you talk about all the time and we've talked about on the podcast is building your identity and building the person that you want to become, right? Um, and having everything that you do fall in line with that, right? The whole identifying the what and the the who, right? Yeah. Um, now, I, in the past week, have been kind of like throwing around this idea of like these habits, routines, they build up to the person that you want to become and they, they, they feed into your identity. But there's this whole other aspect of what your worldview is and what your beliefs are. And I guess I was kind of confused on to like how these, how does identity kind of mold with the concept of having a belief or a worldview? And that's essentially like the premise of like what, we're going to be talking about like beliefs, how those beliefs are built up and how your worldview kind of shapes the way you look at reality in a sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I think to give you guys a little bit, the listeners and everybody kind of going through this, some importance to this. The reason why, even though what we're going to talk about here today seems very abstract, it seems something that is very inconsequential. It appears on the surface to be something that's like, ah, some philosophical, like non-practical thing. The truth is that what we talk about a lot of times on these podcast episodes, when we talk about identity, we talk about beliefs, we talk about how your brain works. Those are the fundamental principles that are required in order for you to understand how the game of life works. Because it's so amazing, and I wrote this down in our, we have a dump called the Podcast Dump Ideas, where for me, it's so surprising how little the vast majority of people actually understand the game that they're playing. Because this game of life, it is really a game. Like there's, there's just like you play basketball, there's rules, right? There's like double dribbling. There's like, hey, I'm going to do a layup. I'm going to do these things. The more you can understand how this game works, the very fundamentals of this game, the better you're going to be at actually 
succeeding in the game, right? Because if you don't understand, like every single time you do a double dribble, but you don't know double dribble exists, and then the ref calls you out and then you get kicked out of the game or for whatever reason, right? Or you're like punching people in the basketball game, and then the ref is like, hey, three the you know three fouls, you're out, and you'll get upset because you're like, oh man, these these people, I can't play this game because all these people are getting in my way. It's all like it's terrible, it's terrible. The reason being is because you just don't understand how the game works. And the more you can understand how the game works, the better you're going to be able to play according to the rules. And when you can play according to the rules, you can actually then hack the rules and then get your Lambo and your McLaren and take it from there. And so um, what we're going to be talking about today is uh, I think what Sohail prefaced here and the question that Sohail had was basically how is your identity different or the same or encompassing of your habits and routines and your beliefs? And we're going to talk a little bit more on what beliefs are and what makes up beliefs and why beliefs are so important because I think beliefs are a concept by themselves that are not really understood by a lot of people. So I guess what we could kind of dive into um, is first off, it's very important to understand that your identity is not something that is made up of just one specific thing. Your identity is made up of an amalgam of a wide range of things. So it includes your appearance, it includes your habits, it includes your routines, it includes your upbringing, it includes your beliefs, it includes your preferences, it includes your opinions, whether you like pizza or burgers. Personally, I like both of them. I like burgers better because you get more protein value out of them. How about you, Sohel? Uh, I would say the same. Unless you're going to, if you go to ZOLs, then pizza. Pizza for sure. You got is that in, is that in Dallas? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's top notch. Honestly, the best pizza I've ever had. And anybody bro. who's listening to this will probably agree. So, inshallah, one day bro. we'll go. We'll go there. You got You got to take me, bro. Hundred yeah. percent. So, whether or not you like pizza or burgers, or you like you know whatever the case might be, all of that is encompassed within your own identity. And so, the identity is kind of like the bucket container of all of those those aspects of things that you're working on. Okay. Now, certain things in your identity are more easy to change and certain things are not right. Like you can't change who your parents were. You can't change. There's certain things that are very set, but the things that we talk about a lot on this podcast are really being able to uh, manipulate and change the things that are in your control that many people don't even realize are in their control. Um, so yeah, let me get your thoughts on that and what, you, what what's going on here. So yeah, I, so it, I guess to, to start off with what I was talking about in the beginning, um, the way I was understanding it is the identity obviously is like who you want to become, right? So you have an ideal version of yourself in your head and everything that you do should somehow funnel into that, right? And somehow it should uh, guide you towards that. Um, and the the reason I, I was confused is because initially I was thinking about like, one thing I always think about and like one fear I have mentally is that like sometime in the future when I'm like a way older, I'll get to the point where I'll kind of not become stagnant, but like, I'll become complacent in the way I think about things. And especially Mm -hmm. in a world where things are changing all the time, technology is changing, politics, all that stuff. um, It's important to always stay like flexible and kind of open-minded to things. And I have this like subconscious fear that like when I'm 60, like when a certain age comes, suddenly like things will cut off and then I'll not be open to new ideas anymore. Um, And I think that might just be because of my experiences and knowing people who after, knowing people who are older, that seem to be a little more naive in the way that they accept new things and they view things from the perspective of being like the older generation. And there's like this inherent idea that we don't have to accept what's coming new. Like right. we have our way of doing things and this new stuff is kind of just, it's there. And I see that yeah. in myself too. Like now I'm like looking at like TikTok and all these things and I'm like, I feel like an old person because I'm like, I'm thinking in that way. I'm like already like, this is stupid. Like why, why is this there? Um, but the reason I say all that is because I was viewing it from the perspective of I should build habits and routines so that I don't fall into that belief system. And I guess I was mm-hmm. viewing that from the perspective of that's a that's a belief. That's an inherent belief mm-hmm. that the way that I lived my life and I was brought up is somehow superior to what's happening now. And I don't really want to conform. I don't want to open my mind up to new ideas. Um, and so I, I, I guess that ramble was just to say like beliefs in my head are like you said, the way you view reality as it is. And if your beliefs are locked in, then you become naive. And so I was viewing it from the perspective of building habits and routines that will force your belief system to be more open-minded. Yeah, I think I think that's a solid... Uh, we can dive into that a little bit more, but I think maybe what we should do for the audience here right now is we should probably maybe define belief a little bit more because belief mm. is a very abstract thing that I think a lot of people assume just means like belief like iman or like faith in religion or something so do you want to kind of give a preface of maybe your understanding of belief and then i'll give it a shot as well yeah i think it is 
all of your experience is built up and the things that you've learned over time that teach you how to look at the things around you in a certain way. Um, and obviously like belief when it comes to religion, you learn how to view certain things as allowed or not allowed or um, better than others. Um, beliefs in terms of the the culture you're brought up in, things, certain things are taboo, certain things aren't. Um, so I think belief in general is a way of looking at things f- molded by your experiences, by your um, interactions with people, by things you've learned. Um, yeah, I think that's how I would word beliefs. Yeah, for me, the story of how I realized that beliefs were even a thing was I remember when I was growing up in Orlando, I had an uncle of mine of, uh, and one day we were going to Staples and he had something that he needed to print out at Staples. And so I was at school and he said, Hey, I'm going to Staples. I'm going to be printing out this thing. And for some reason he wasn't like, he went to Staples and he wasn't able to get it done. He said like the people were mean to him or something like that. And then the next day, uh, I was like, uncle, that doesn't make any sense. Like, why would the people be mean to you? Why couldn't you print out the thing? Like what's going on here? I was like, I was very, I was confused. And so the next day I was like, okay, I'll go with him to go to this, to the Staples and print out this, uh, whatever he had to print out some document or something. And so we go to Staples and then he's, uh, as soon as we enter Staples at the printing center, there's this lady and he's, he says, Yasin, that's the lady from yesterday. I was like, okay, well, what's the problem? He says, oh no, that lady is, she's racist. Like she's like, she's just like really, really racist. And um, she was the reason why I wasn't able to print out the thing yesterday because she just is non-compliant to, you know, like dealing with me. And so I was like, okay, that's really strange. And so I, I went and talked to her and she was like this old lady. She was like maybe like 70, like 75 years old. And she's trying to figure out like printing all this like printing. And obviously, you know, the older generation by themselves are not very good at technology. And so what I found was that she wasn't necessarily racist. She was just very, very like me like she's like mean and very like grouchy and i don't know what was going on in her life that was causing her to do that like become that way and so that was one experience that happened where i was like okay my my uncle's thought process that this lady was racist caused him to not be able to function like see the reality as reality is supposed to be and that she's not really racist she's just somebody who was mean and like grouchy and those kinds of things so that was one one experience the second experience that happened with the same uncle that really led me to understand belief a little bit better was when we were, uh, he was at the time he was taking, he was, he was taking, taking some online classes to get like a degree or something. And, um, I would help him, you know, with the technology side of things, he had like Blackboard and Canva and all these softwares. And so one of his school assignments when he was getting this certification for his online was he had to do like these discussion board questions. And so in the discussion board questions, the, after the assignment was submitted, the professor would give feedback on how the discussion board questions were for that person. And so the, uh, the, the feedback that the professor gave to my uncle was something related to, uh, your feed, your, your discussion posts were different than everybody else. Um, I think you could do better or something like that. Now, when he read it, he, uh, he read it as your discussion posts were worse than everybody else's. And like, um, like pr- improve your English or something like that. That's what he told me. He's like, my teacher's racist. And I was like, what do you mean? And so I read it and then he's like, oh, I read it. I read it incorrect. Like, when I read it out loud, I was like, no, uncle, like that's not what she's saying. Like she's saying something completely different. And so that was the second time that I heard him say this concept of like, oh, that person is racist, right? And what I realized what was happening was that his mentality that because, you know, he came here, he has an accent, he has like the viewpoint that like a lot of people are racist and there's discriminatory and all these things. What it was doing was it was literally making him incapable of looking at the reality of the situation because he would just automatically project onto the situation what it is that he thought about X, Y, Z, right? He just assumed everybody was racist and all of a sudden when everybody, anybody's even mean to him, he's like racism, boom, right? In the same way, I started, started when I started picking that up, I started seeing that what ends up happening is, let's say, for example, you're somebody who believes that inherently people are liars, thieves, and like inherently people are bad. I, I met some people in my life who had that experience. And then what ended up happening was that they would go through life. And whenever anybody would show even like the smallest sign of like being dishonest, they would be like, that person, liar. Everybody's a liar. Like it's terrible. Versus on the other side, I started noticing people who genuinely thought that people were good, that inherently people don't have ma- uh, uh, bad intentions. And so as a result, whenever anybody did something that was, you know, a little bit off, they would automatically, they, they give them the benefit of the doubt. And they would tell them like, oh, like that's understandable. Everybody makes a mistake. It's not a big deal. And so what I started realizing was that there's this, we as humans are very, 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 I'll put another very in there, very bad at 
seeing reality for how reality is. Instead, what we do is we project our own thoughts, our own feelings, our own, um, I'm going to call it a paradigm, our own beliefs. All of these things are things that we project onto reality and we see what it is that we are expecting from reality. Mm. And so that's where this concept, that was my first aha moment that I made me realize like, okay, there's something more going on here because for the longest time I was somebody that thought like, okay, I have eyes and I can see the world as reality is supposed to be. And like, that's it. Like there's no issues with that. But as I started to dive into this deeper, I realized that there was more going on to this. And so that's the, the inception of belief. And that's why there's a grass cutter in my, uh, in my, in my, in my lawn going on. But it's let me get your thoughts your on that. It's perceiving your grass to be really tall. Yeah, there, it's yeah. perceiving my grass. It's my perception that the grass cutter is making noise. So that's why it's eating up for me. But uh, what are your thoughts on that? So No, man, I, I think this whole concept of people having different perspectives is so interesting. Like when... I think the one thing that like made me like actually think about it deeply was it's that simple topic of when I see the color red and you see the color red, like who's to say that we're seeing the same thing, right? Like we both call this thing red, like we we call this color red, but how do I know that what you're seeing isn't just what you label as red? Like you could be seeing white and you could just call it red because you've lived your whole life calling that thing red. And that alone, it opens up so many like questions as to like, I, th I think the, the awareness of knowing that other people have different perspectives and knowing that everybody has different experiences is in and of itself an answer to trying to get out of your own mindset because you have to acknowledge the fact that like the way I'm seeing it, other people are seeing it differently. And it's not their fault. It's just because they were raised differently than I was. Um, so I think I, it, it, this is just such an interesting topic to me just because of that. Because it's like everything in, in like in essence, reality isn't it's not reality like to any of us. Like we don't know what everything around us actually is. And that's such like a, a meta <laughs> fake deep type of topic. But uh, it's really interesting how all this stuff works. And so. I'm with you on that because I, the whole color thing has always been trippy for me. It's like whether or not people are stylish or not. It's like whether the colors go together with my clothes, like you don't even really know if that's the case or not. Mm -hmm. um, but that would really, these, these are the thoughts that really got me down the rabbit hole of wanting to learn more about this. And I think that's kind of what you and I want to discuss in today's podcast episode is really laying down some um, some bars as we do here on, on, uh, on the Sohail and Yasin podcast on okay, how does this actually work, right? Like, okay, we realize that this is the situation. What does that, like, how does that occur? And to kind of go a little bit into answering that question, for me, when I started looking into this, I started looking into like neuroscience and started looking at how the brain works. And this is for me, when we talk about understanding how the game is played, for me, I'm a very strong proponent of if you don't understand how your own brain works, then you are not only going to become a victim of your brain, but you're also going to become a victim of those people who know how to how the brain works and know how to manipulate the brain so that way they can manipulate you because they know how your brain works better than you do. And then all of a sudden you become a sheep in society. And so that's why it's so critical to be able to understand the very basics of the most powerful computer in the entire galaxy is in between your ears. And we don't even realize it. And so it's like, okay, how do we figure this out so that way we can actually like work with it rather than it being something that's fighting against us all the time. Mm. And so, um, so diving into this here, let's let's answer the question. We're like, I feel like we're beating the bush here in terms of like going <laughs> this around. Is all around intro, around. twenty minutes. All of intro. intro. <laughs> so I think it's important to understand. And the first point that all of us have to agree on, right? We have to agree on certain facts. The first fact I think so held that we have to all agree on is that your brain is incapable of taking in all of reality for what reality is. So if you look at if you look at if you look out your window, if you look at an accident that happens, if you look at a fight that's happening between you and you know your friend, if you look at any anything that's happening in the world, your brain, or even if you just look at your room, like if you just look at your room, your brain is incapable of taking in all of that input sensory information into its hard drive. Basically, what you're doing is your brain is essentially selectively looking at certain things, right? Even when you look at um, it's kind of even if you just look at uh, the, a, a YouTube video. Your eyes are incapable, like you focus on a certain part. You can't see like in your peripheral vision, all of that is not there. Your brain focuses on a specific thing. Secondarily, you are unable to like the way, like you can imagine it's just like, um, like a computer where there's, there's a mic, there's a keyboard, there's like these things that are input devices. 
And then you're, you have your five senses, which are input devices to your brain. But those input devices are limited in the sense that you cannot see everything, you cannot hear everything, you cannot smell everything, you cannot feel everything. And so as a result, the very first thing we all have to agree on is that your brain is incapable of experiencing reality how reality has to be experienced. Mm -hmm. One thing that I like to, I I heard recently about how like thinking of it from the perspective of if you're in a cave and you're like the cave entrance is really bright, obviously, so there's light coming in, but you're facing away from the, the entrance and uh-huh. you're just looking at these shadows that everything behind you casts on the wall. So you're yeah. not actually like seeing what's happening. You're just seeing from your own perspective, like from a whole different perspective of what's actually happening, of what's happening behind you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so I think if we all come to that conclusion that like, okay, our brains are not taking reality as reality is, then the secondary secondary question that comes into place is, okay, how does our brain actually take in, like, how do we reconcile this information that's coming in? So what ends up happening is that once we get the sensory information from our senses about into our brain, that says, okay, this is XYZ is happening. Our brain essentially then what it does is it starts to create, generates an image or a story or a narrative or a thought around what it thinks is happening. Right, And so then what we do is we then attribute some sort of meaning to what's happening externally. So like I see two people fighting and or I see an African-American person and this is big because of the Black Lives Movement right now. It's like, okay, I see an African-American person. That's a sensory input that I got. And then as a result, I then attribute meaning or story to that. Oh, this person because of X, Y, Z happened in the past, da, 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 all this happened to me in the past. Therefore, I think this African-American person is somebody who is going to be stealing or he's up to no good or he must be doing something else. And then as a result, I'm going to act accordingly. So there's like this external stimulus that then generates a thought in our minds. And then based on that thought that comes in, we, we create a story and a narrative that will then create the actions that we're going to do according to the story and the narrative. I feel like we're going super abstract. I'm not, I'm not feel, no, I feel no, like no, we're no. not a, that makes sense. That makes sense. Cause you choose like that, that thought basis is essentially backed by your knowledge, your experiences. And then you, you, like you said, you project the, the way you've experienced things, the things you know about certain objects onto it. And then you assume that before even thinking about it. Cause there, there's even like, um, I was learning in cog psych recently, cognitive psychology, about how when when you're when you're if you see an image, right, of um, let's say like a bowl of fruit, and you obviously like you can't see every single fruit fully, right? Like there's some that are mm-hmm. blocked by bananas, or like there's an apple behind whatever. And if you were to look at like a a two D representation, a black and white representation of that, you'll see just lines, right? You just see lines, mm-hmm. you see no colors, and you'll see all the different shapes. But because you have this knowledge of what a banana looks like and you know that when something isn't in your sight, part of it will be visible on each side, these knowing these like heuristics in a way is what guides you to know that that's a fruit bowl without needing any color or without needing any actual 3D aspect to it, like just having that 2D thing. So I think like literally everything, even like, like you said, neuroscience backs the fact that we see things and our brain attributes meaning to it in order for us to actually understand what it is. Right, yeah. And I think an evidence for that would be that, let's look, let's just look at like movies, for example, or you look at uh, um, books, or you look at like, all of these are mechanisms that have the ability to transfer you to a whole different place. And so, like, let's say you're watching a, a horror movie. That thing is not really, really in front of you, right? Like, but your brain has is incapable of actually recognizing real reality, and all it's doing is it's taking in the sensory information and it's putting attributing meaning to that. It's like, oh snap, there's a monster, there's something that's going on. Or like, let's say you watch a scary movie and you come home at night and you can't sleep because you think there's a monster under your bed or some, you know, you're scared of something. What you're doing is you're literally like opposite of reality. Like you're not looking at reality as reality is. Is that you're like these thoughts and these narratives and these stories in your head are overtaking you, and so your ability to see reality is completely clouded based on what's going on in your head. Mm. And so that's another that's another evidence to like like anybody who says that I can see reality for how reality is is that's the crazy that's the biggest illusion of the mind is the mind wants you to like think that how we see reality is how reality is. Mm, yeah. But the sooner you can realize like nine times like not nine times a hundred times out of 10 you are not seeing reality how reality is it kind of also gives you the ability to step back and go into taqwa mode like we've talked about in previous podcast episodes and be like oh snap okay is this my mind playing games on me again because i obviously don't see reality how reality is and so i must something's wrong here and i need to like 
do some technical technical fixing here because something is definitely not working the way it should be working. Yeah, and it, it's it's funny that you bring up movies and TVs because literally that's the whole science behind like sound design and cinematography. It's just to put you in a state of taking all these sensory inputs and shifting the way you like view reality. Like if you yeah. leave the movie like questioning things that you wouldn't have even thought of before, even though it's. If you were fully rationally thinking outside of the movie, you wouldn't have even like thought of certain things. And when it comes yep. to like horror movies, you have these like ingrained psychological things where you leave and you're like scared at night. Like their purpose, their job is just to shift the way you view things. And if you think of like you said, your life is like a three, like a game. Everything is just there to kind of shift the way your mind rationally should be thinking. Right. Yeah. Hundred percent. And I think the and it also. I mean. I got two points. Number one would be it's so funny how you know if you look at sound design and how like the 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 horses like you know the the sound of the horses what they if you look at the way they the way they do it in the studio is like they're just taking shoes and like putting yeah there you go right they're like um, the swords clashing and like how they basically uh, um, exaggerate all like all the things basically to put you in a certain state and make sure that like you're really into the movie. But um, the second point I was going to mention is that the the idea that your brain takes on the information from the sensory information and then what it does is it essentially creates a story around what it is that happened. So let's say, for example, there was a time that you were growing up and you had somebody in your family who got money and then they became a jerk. That becomes a story that your brain memorizes. And then what ends up happening is that you repeat that story over and over and over and over to yourself and then you start, and then you start to look for confirmation bias in the world where whenever anybody gets money, they end up uh, becoming a jerk, right? But it always starts off with a story that happened in your personal life. Like your parents told you something, so like an incident you saw or you saw like on YouTube, some guy talks about like, um, I invested in real estate and I lost all my money. So therefore you saw, so you got that, you got that piece of fact, which was, I saw a guy on YouTube, he invested into real estate and he lost all of his money. Therefore, right now, this is in my brain trying to rationalize it because I can't understand reality, how reality is. So I have to create a story around that so I can kind of understand that. So therefore, investing into real estate causes me to lose my money. That's the, that's the, like the version one of the story. Then later on, my dad invested in real estate and he also lost his money. Now that story becomes even stronger. I now have two pieces of evidence that prove to me that that story exists. Right. And then you start to have confirmation bias and say like, okay, now I'm starting to believe that whenever I invest in real estate, I'm going to lose my money. And that becomes a belief. So it basically becomes like incident that generates thought slash story and emotion and all this stuff. And then you get confirmation, you get repetition on that thought and that story over and over and over again until that essentially creates a belief. And then that belief then becomes your worldview, right? Because your worldview is an amalgam, is a, is, a, is a huge hodgepodge of all your beliefs that are there. And then you start to have a belief like, okay, real estate doesn't work or like um, uh, I was trying to like, let's use a marriage example because right now, gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, if ladies listen to this, uh, I'm on the market it's and potentially market. I think- <laughs> That's it, guys. Let me know. Let me know. I got to – when are you going to go there? I, I was going to say some jokes about this. I don't want to get off track here. But um, like let's say, for example, I was talking to a sister and the sister was mean. And therefore, uh, I start to get the story that sisters who are from Dallas, I've had three or four examples that they're always mean to me. Hypothetical. It's not real. I'm just giving a hypothetical. Therefore, I start to create this belief that sisters in Dallas are just really, really stuck up and they're just really mean individuals. And then all of a sudden, I start to have a perception that when I meet a sister from Dallas, I automatically, remember the story of my uncle, I automatically assume that, oh, here's a lady from Dallas. Here we go. She's going to be mean. And then even if she's not mean, I act as if she is mean. And then all of a sudden, she gets mean because she's like, bro, why are you acting as if I'm going to be mean? It's going to become like a self-fulfilling prophecy, basically. Hmm. So that's a little bit more. I mean, we're just peeling the layers of the onion here because I feel like these are topics that are so abstract that you and I haven't had a lot of repetition on talking about. And so they're not as concrete as some of our other tawakkul and shukr and topics. As yeah, it makes sense. I I, I know what you mean because, like, thinking of it from a hypothetical, like abstract sense, kind of makes it very hard to to think you can actually practically do anything. Because right now, like, okay, so we've established there's an input. You have these thoughts and emotions that create a story on how you perceive something, like a narrative, and then obviously the more you see something, the more it'll become ingrained and that becomes solidified. So is there a way for us to sort of, because we talked about before how like when we're thinking about happiness or like when we have emotions, we have an emotion and we attribute a thought to it. And it's important to kind of break that and like jump in before we actually attribute an emotion to a thought. 
it was the other way around, attributing an emotion to a thought, right? Yeah, yeah. And yep. before like solidifying that, I guess, in a way, and making that part of the way you're feeling, mm-hmm. or like uh, adding to the way you're thinking about things in general. But is there a way to kind of jump in to kind of break that? All right, like the the confirmation bias thing. And it's tough because you have to create a mindset of being a critical thinker. So I think a lot of people who might be listening to this, and I think a lot of people in general, we're not used to questioning like the status quo. And you have to always be willing to question everything. And that's a that's a personality trait that takes time to develop. And that includes your own thoughts and your own beliefs and your own feelings. And you have to like, I think a lot of people have difficulty, like they want to very much be confident in who they are. And so as a result, they have sometimes difficulty questioning even their own beliefs. And they start to they start to marry the fact that they think that the world works in a certain way. So like there's people who let's say like, oh, Trump is a racist. I don't like I think that's questionable whether Trump is a racist. Oh, you know, most like uh white people are, you know, white most white people are racist or most people are this or most people are that or you know, all the things that you have. First off, you have to try to create a critical thinking mindset of questioning yourself all the time. But in terms of what you're talking about, it's like, okay, you have an event, that event generates a thought, you then attribute meaning to the thought, you then attribute story to the thought, you then attribute um, emotion to the thought. So it's like three steps, right? You have event, that event generated a thought in your mind. Then what happens is that you then attribute one of three things or all three, which is emotion, meaning, or story to that thought. Okay. And then what happens is that that programs your reticular activation system, which we've talked about in the past, which is a part of your brain that searches for confirmation on those things. And so you're like, okay, event happened. Um, my, I saw some guy on YouTube lost all of his money in real estate, right? Um, that generated a thought that, oh, um, people lose money when they generate real estate, when they go into real estate. I started attributing a story and a, an emotion and meaning to that which then I started looking for confirmation with my reti- my reticular activation system as that, is that true or not? And I started seeing everywhere around me examples of people losing money when they went into real estate. And then therefore, enough cycles of that created my belief. So it's like five-step process. Okay. And then you, once you have a belief, that becomes one of your beliefs that you have a huge number of beliefs. And then that shapes your worldview on how you think people are. So you might have a belief that people are inherently mean. You have a You have a belief that Business is only for people who started off in wealthy families. You might have a belief that money makes you into somebody who is a jerk. So therefore, like anybody who has money is a jerk. You believe that, um, what's another, give me, what's another one that we could say here is that I'm fat because my, uh, uh, I, I have depression because my family abused me when I was young. That's not like, that's a belief that you have. That's because equally, so here's another example you can think about this is that let's say there's two twins who came up from the same abusive family that had uh, like an alcoholic father and like a you know cr- drunkard mother and all this crazy stuff, and one brother, he takes that and he attributes meaning in a different way and he says, you know what, um, this happened to me, therefore I can never be anything in life because I have a terrible upbringing and I'm just going to become a homeless person because there's no way that I can do anything because I was abused my entire life. Versus the other person attributes a different meaning to that thought and that experience and all of those things and he tells himself a different story and he tells himself, hey, because that happened to me, I have to make sure that I don't end up like that so that my, that way my children don't end up like that and therefore that person becomes you know a millionaire and becomes a business person and all of that stuff same upbringing just different meaning narrative emotion story that you then seek in your confirmation bias that develops a different belief that different belief manifests itself into a different reality mm, okay and I, I i guess uh like you were saying um I feel like the having too much confidence then once you have those beliefs having too much confidence in those beliefs and not allowing yourself to question them or be skeptical about them is where the kind of locked in mindset comes in where people become too arrogant in the way they're thinking and then they don't accept new things and they just don't open the doors for context I guess a lot of times like fundamental attribution error I believe that's what it's called where you whenever something happens that's negative if somebody else says something negative, like bad, or let's say like the teacher uh, is, uh, he grades your test poorly and says you, you, you didn't do that well, you are going to attribute the fact that that person is mean. You're not going to give any mm-hmm. context to their scenario. You're just going to say that, okay, that person on, a, on a, like a, an identity level, they are a mean person. But if I were the one who's grading the test or like giving out like a bad score, you're going to give context and you're not going to blame yourself you're going to blame the 
scenario, I guess, right? Like maybe this person didn't study and that's why they did poorly. And I guess a better example is if somebody does poorly, if somebody else does poorly on a test, you'll think they're stupid. But if you mm-hmm. do poorly on a test, you'll say, okay, I didn't have enough time to study. So right. I guess in a way, when it comes to these beliefs and events and thoughts that we attribute or these thoughts that we then build up into a belief system, a lot of times when they are negative, we do this thing where we assume that it's the person on a person level. And then we generalize to either a race or a, a group of individuals or uh, on a more higher level, we just generalize it instead of right. looking at the situation, looking at the the actual things that happened and kind of breaking it down and giving excuses, I guess, in a way. That and then I think it's another interesting fact on top of that is that once you have a belief, the funny thing about our brain, our brains are very good at very like our, our subconscious minds are very are, have one job and one job specifically. It's always to move away from pain and go towards pleasure. It's always survival. That's literally what our brains are designed to do. Allah subhanahu created our subconscious minds to literally just protect us all the time. And how it protects us is once your brain has a belief, it's actually impossible for your brain to actually go against that belief. Because what it, if you went against your belief, then you're basically telling yourself that I'm lying to myself. So example here, if you think that you are bad at math, you will, it's impossible for you, even if you have the option on a test, to do good at math. Let's say, for example, like there was a question that you had that you think you could have done, like potentially you have the, the potential to do well on that math test. You will purposely self-sabotage because your belief is that I'm bad at math. And so the funny thing about this is that it, like you can see this very, the most obvious example for this is like kids. If you tell, like if a kid thinks that he's stupid or he's not smart at math or he's very bad at basketball or he's very bad at whatever, fill in the blank, you will see that that person does not even give an effort. Like, because I'm bad at math, I have a math test. Well, couldn't you just study for the math test and then potentially do good on the math test? Yeah, but then why doesn't the person do that? It's because they have a belief that I'm just bad at math. What's the point of even studying? And then therefore, it becomes a fulfilling, fulfilling prophecy, basically, where they don't study. They get a test. You see, see, I was bad at math. That becomes another evidence to the fact that they're bad at math. And then they carry this belief because it's been ingrained in them over number of confirmation biases over and over and over and over again. And so the crazy thing about this is that your beliefs will always define your ability to function in reality. And going back to the identity thing is that if you have any goal, if you have anything that you want to achieve, the reason you haven't really achieved it yet, yes, there's habits, there's routines that you need to get to. But the reason you haven't achieved where you want to go is because your belief about yourself in doing that thing has not gotten to that point. Okay, so belief kind of, belief is like another, a higher level than in a way to identity. Because in order for your identity, like, or actually, your belief is a step before actually working towards your identity, right? Like you have to believe that you will be able to achieve that before even actually jumping into the process of using the habits and routines to build it. It's all together. So like as you're working on the beliefs and you work on the habits and the routines, all of that is shaped. Because remember, your identity, you never become your identity. You're always in the process of becoming your identity. You never are, you never act, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a North star that you can never actually hit. So you're always just defining this identity that you're trying to become. And then you're working your beliefs and your habits and your routines and who you are as a person to become that person. And then the crazy thing about it is once you become that person at some point, those beliefs that you work so hard to ingrain into yourself, they're going to become what we call false and limiting beliefs. So false and limiting beliefs are things that hold you back from getting to where you want to go the next step. So the crazy thing about life is that once you achieve, let's say, for example, you're like, okay, I want to have the beliefs where I can build a business that gets me $10,000 a month in business, right? That's what I want to do. But then the crazy thing is that all of the beliefs that got you to becoming a business owner that has a $10,000 a month business, those are the same beliefs that are now going to hold you back from making a $20,000, $30,000, a month business. And so the funny thing about it is that every belief that you are trying to build in yourself right now, whether that be that I am smart, I am capable. Like, there's certain beliefs that are very generic, like I'm smart and I'm capable. That's going to last you for a long time, right? But being somebody who's like, okay, I'm somebody who is capable of getting a job as a, uh, what was the thing that you wanted to do? You wanted to do like um, AI learning. and machine learning? Machine learning, right? Mm-hmm. So like you're like, okay, I am somebody who is capable to become a machine learning, somebody who can work in that field. You're developing that belief. Okay, I'm, do I have the confidence to do that? Do I have the confidence? Once you become a machine learning uh, like person who has that that thing, you then have to change your beliefs and say, okay, what's next? Where am I going to go next? Otherwise, if you keep those beliefs and you stay there, then you're going to have that 60-year-old effect that you talked about where you don't actually adjust your beliefs and take it to the next level and say, okay, what's the next thing that I need to work on? Mm, okay. And so it's kind of like this cycle where 
your every belief that you're trying to work on building right now will always become a limiting belief later on in life. Hmm. Okay. So again, obviously, in order to not become complacent, you have to constantly be reviewing those beliefs and those goals that you have. So you're constantly like updating them so that you're not becoming stagnant on a certain level and keep moving up, I guess. Yeah, one of my one of my principles, so I, I would encourage you guys to do this after you guys have nailed down all these uh, what, why, who, and all these kinds of things, is another thing you can do for yourself and create the values and principles of your life. So this is a little bit more of an advanced exercise where you can start to figure out, okay, what are the core principles that I live my life by and what are the values that I live my life by? And for me, one of my core principles in life is grow or die. That's like one of my principles. So I have a couple of different principles, one of input, output, uh, communication above all else. Um, like I have, a, I have maybe eight or nine. One of the key values of my entire life is grow or die, meaning I'm a very strong believer that either you are growing or you are dying. There is no in between. And so... Because that's a core tenant of mine. Whenever and what you use these principles for, just FYI, so you guys know, once you if you ever do that exercise or that activity, is that whenever you have a decision in life that you need to make, you always need to lean on your values in order to make that decision. And so once you have this sheet that is like, okay, these are what I believe. This is how I look at the world. These are my values and my principles. It makes making decisions in life pretty easy because you can look back at your values and say, okay, which of these values are going to allow me to see clearly this decision that I need to make in life? And so, for example, whenever there's a situation where um, oh, this is a perfect example. When I sold my first business, we were doing $3.2 million a year and we were regular, like everything was going amazingly well. And if I had continued that business, it would, have been, it would have been pretty awesome. We could have continued to grow it. Instead, what I decided at that time was I sold that business and I basically made myself like I didn't have any income coming in anymore. I just had to live off of savings. And it was a decision that pretty much everyone in my circle gave me the biggest flack for. They're like, asking you're an idiot. This is the stupidest thing you could ever do. The reason I made that decision was because I realized that I had become stagnant and complacent in running this business and I was no longer growing because I knew the ins and outs on how to run this specific business and my skill set was no longer growing. And so I realized, okay, what I was actually doing was that because I wasn't growing, I was actually dying. And so even if I did ride the wave of building this business to an extent, I knew, give it another five, six, seven years, because I hadn't grown as an individual, when this opportunity vehicle that is making me a lot of money ended, I would end up being in a worse situation, whereas if I just sold the business right now and invested in my growth and invested in my personal development. So that is an example of how I used my value of grow or die in order to make a very, 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 very difficult decision of saying, okay, for me, it's about growing rather than dying. And so it's a matter of how do I make that decision from there. Mm, okay. And so I guess writing down your values and what, what you believe in is, a, it's like a sort of, uh, it's your own personal mental model in a way. Because you yeah. like every time you try to filter everything you're doing through those specific requirements in a way, and you make sure exactly. that everything's living up to that level. No, it was interesting because I this past two weeks, ever since like I don't know why I didn't do this earlier because we've been talking about like mental models like for a year now. But I like actually on Rome I like made like a, a mental models place like where I could like list them all out and start like doing like intentional research on each single one and yeah. I guess the way it kind of ties back to building your thought or the point where you see an input, you have a thought and then you make that story narrative or you attach emotions to it. Like having being just the fact that you're aware of these things, just the fact that you're aware that cognitive biases exist, the fact that mental models exist for a way of like systematically approaching like something, it kind of like breaks in at that point where like where you're about to build that story on how something is perceived. You kind of, step back, take that like hyper aware moment of like, okay, there's this way of thinking about it from a systems approach or systematic thinking approach versus my emotional experiences that I know for sure. And obviously it's easier to lean back on this because that's just reflex. But I guess this is where in my podcast, I was talking about how when I get older, I don't want to be naive. I don't want to be like a grumpy dude who kind of like just brushes off anybody who's talking to him when I'm not feeling in the mood, right? The The main crux of it was like, when I'm tired, I'm tired. And I'll give myself yeah. an excuse. I'm like, okay, people understand that I'm tired. They'll know that like, I'm not in the mood to talk and they'll not perceive it as being a bad thing, right? And at that point, I was like, okay, if I'm looking at it from like this mental model perspective, it's like, okay, if I keep doing this, I'm going to keep attaching this thought or these emotions, the story to this thought process. And then eventually I'll build this belief that 
I'm, this is just how I am. I, I make yep. ex- excuses for myself. So it was just interesting how all of this kind of tied in together, how just the awareness of knowing these things exist in yourself. And like you were saying, doing the research about the neuroscience and taking advantage of the, the, the computer that's in your brain, like in your, in your body. Um, it's, it, it's really fascinating. I think you hit it spot on when you said like, when just the fact that listening to what it is that we're talking about here in this podcast episode, even though it is very abstract, it just seems like very intangible. It seems like it's very not practical. Just the fact that you're listening to this and you're becoming more aware as an audience to the fact that these things exist, just like Sohail said right now, it makes you more aware of like, okay, there is something more to this. And so just having the knowledge of it makes you so much more further ahead in being able to like understand what it is that we're talking about. And so I know it's abstract. I know like I can feel it. Like I, I know sometimes when you and I are dropping bars, you can feel like, bro, this is connecting. Like, like, you know, like we're really on it. And I know that this podcast episode seems a little bit more abstract. It seems like, ah, what's actually going on here? But if you really just give it some thought as an audience member and really just think about, okay, I can understand what they're saying here. And then what you're going to now do is this is a thought that we put in your head, right? Like you've listened to this podcast. Oh, let's use this framework, like meta. Let's go super meta. You've listened. This is an event that happened, which is you're listening to this podcast and you're getting these new thoughts in your head about thoughts. <laughs> it's like, it's like inception. It's like movie. It's like a dream within a dream. It's like you're getting thoughts in your head about neuroscience and thoughts and stuff like that. Now your job is to start attributing emotion, narrative, story to these kinds of things. And then your brain is going to start to look into the world for confirmation about how this exists. So the same way that when Sohail and I first talked about this last year on our Fudger Walks, I put the thought in his head that this thing like mental models and all this stuff existed. Then you entertained it. You know, you're like, oh, this is really interesting. Let me look into it. Maybe like, you know, let me just look for confirmation of this. And then slowly over time, that started to become a belief that, okay, this is how the world really works. And now you're starting to implement it more and more into your daily life because it's becoming a belief that, hey, this is the way the world works. These are mental models. These are all the things that happen basically. So that's what I would say is that it's a very good point that Sohail mentioned that I'm happy that we're putting these thoughts in your guys' heads because of the fact that I don't think there's a lot of other people who talk about these topics. And I wish there was somebody who would have talked to me about these things because it would have probably given me a head start and really allowed me to understand the computer that's in between my heads because that computer is so powerful that it can re- literally drive you into the ground or it can make you the most powerful man or woman on the planet. And mm-hmm. it has the power to do both. And the only difference between the homeless people and the people who are the most you know, successful people in the world and the people who are going to be in Jannatul Firdaus, the only people, the only difference between all of those people are the decisions that they had. And the decisions were based off of their beliefs. And their beliefs were based off of the narratives and stories that they told themselves. And those were based off of their thoughts. And so at the end of the day, you getting to Jannatul Firdaus, you getting your McLaren, you getting your Lamborghini, you becoming a homeless person, or you becoming the most powerful person on the planet, this is the game. Like the more you understand how this game is played, the better you're going to be able to hack this game, be able to make better decisions in your life, and then really go out there and get what it is that you want. Bars. Bars. (laughs) Bars. <laughs> Straight facts. We had, to, we, had to, we had to get it somewhere, bro. bro we, had to, some, yeah. we always warm up. It takes us sometimes an hour to get warmed up. Sometimes it takes a little bit longer, a little bit shorter, but eventually it comes out. <laughs> yeah. No, and it makes sense because all the context is needed to kind of get to that point, you know, like in, in, yeah. in uh, yeah. understanding it. But yeah, absolutely. absolutely. It's a beautiful way to, yeah. to, to wrap it all up, I guess. I, I yeah, was just, I think- sorry, no, no, no. I was just, I was just going to throw in another thing. Um, Like, the concept of like being skeptical, honestly, is just being aware of the fact that there are multiple ways of looking at something. Like, and in in uh, in in school, there was a class that took research methods, and honestly, this was like, it was such a. It, initially, I was like really bored of the class because all it was was you make an experiment throughout the whole semester, and you have to like track it through, right? But like the one thing that I actually like took from that was when we were reading all these like research papers, we were taught to look at it from a skeptical point of view. Cause obviously like everybody in the, like in the news will put up headlines that kind of like generalize a statement and make it seem like it's one thing when the actual facts don't say that. Right. And it, it the reason I bring that up is just cause skepticism and just all it is, is having the knowledge of the fact that there's other ways of looking at things and being aware of that in and of itself is enough to kind of stop you at that storytelling stage and just think about the fact that like, this might not be the way to think about it. 
And yeah. I, 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 that, that's just what I kind of picked up from doing this small research stuff on the mental models and cognitive biases. But yeah. Yeah. I, I, th- I think that it doesn't stop you from having emotion. I think that's where a lot of people, when they hear us talk about these topics, they, they think that they're trying to control their thoughts or control their emotions. Mm. You have to understand that bias and attributing meaning and story and emotion to thoughts is a natural product. Like you can't not be human. This is a natural thing that the, like we as humans do. It's just a matter of being aware of it. That's the, the key thing here. All you're doing is you're bringing awareness to these mechanisms that are happening in your brain. So that way you can make sure that you don't become a victim of them. You can't stop them. This is what I think a lot of people misunderstand is when they first hear what we're talking about, they automatically think that the solution is that I need to control my thoughts or that the solution is that I need to control my emotions or control like, no, no, no. All you're doing is you're just becoming aware of them. And it almost, again, it goes back to the taqwa concept we talked about before is you're almost separating yourself from that. And in many ways, you can kind of sometimes laugh at the story that like it happens because there's certain things that are going to happen in your life that and certain stories that are in your head that you cannot stop like there's certain things the way that i was raised in terms of um for me for example i'll give you a very i'll be very vulnerable here the reason why i'm so intense in my life is because of the fact that when i was growing up and this might be the story for a lot of muslims and desi people uh desi kids who were growing up in america was that i was never enough meaning if i got a 95 on the test it was why wasn't it 100 Right. It's every time I did X, right. I remember, you know, if I did something in Dean, why wasn't it more than that? If I did something in school, why wasn't it more than that? It was like always like you can do more. It was never like, oh, mashallah, you did awesome. Congratulations. Right. It was always like you can push more, 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 more. And so as a result, my entire I have this story and narrative that I've that's become a part of my belief set that I'm not enough. Mm-hmm. And so as a result, nine times out of 10, when I'm doing anything in life, I, I go overdoing it. Like I create frameworks. I create like assets. I like I overdo everything. Because of the fact that I'm just trying to prove to myself that like, look, I am enough, right? Now, the funny thing about this is that some stories are so ingrained in your head that are they're almost impossible for you to be able to get out of your head. It's just very difficult because upbringing, environment, there's a lot of things that are just so difficult for you to be able to like get rid of. But if you're able to separate yourself from yourself or your mind, right? You can then almost laugh at yourself when those thoughts and those stories come into place. And then I find this happen, happens to me all the time is like whenever I'm uh, I'm starting to just like tear myself down, I like I look at myself and I'm like, oh, yeah, you're doing it again. Like, like, come on. Like, are you serious, bro? Like, like, mashallah, you've achieved so much. So many people tell you that you have some sort of, you know, something that's worth speaking to other people about. You, don't, you shouldn't be so uh, self-doubting yourself all the time. So come on, bro. Like, let's get back up. And you can have that internal dialogue with yourself. Once you create that separation, you don't take all the thoughts and the stories and the emotions and all this stuff so seriously. So that way you can actually become aware of them. And then at that point, you can just really have fun with it because you're just like, okay, this is this is kind of like, you don't take yourself so seriously as much. You know, you're like, okay, I'm a human. I understand I have these things and I can choose to entertain them. I just, the, the critical step, number one though, is just become aware of it. If you become aware that these things are happening, you can then create the separation. Once you create the separation, at that point, you can start to, wiggle a little bit and see how you want to use these concepts to take you where you want to go. Mm. And ad- in addition to, I guess, no understanding you can't control it. There's also an aspect of knowing that there, it takes an effort because like even just the th- simple thing of like, when I'm tired, I don't want to like talk or like, I don't feel like talking. Yeah. Something like that. I, I think I tell myself that like at some point I'll get to the point where I don't have to even think about it and it'll just be a reflex that I, I in, in the positive that like when I'm tired, I'll know for sure I have to be like more, hyper aware of how I'm acting to people like think about it more and I think a part of me wants to convince myself that like it'll become secondhand at some point but I think just accepting the fact that there are certain things that are just going to be ingrained in you and you just have to constantly be putting in effort and time into actively working against I guess Um, especially when it comes to those beliefs that are kind of like putting you down or uh, putting you in a state that isn't good for yourself just constantly checking on yourself constantly putting in that effort and then hoping that every time you're slowly chipping away at that belief, I guess. And it's, it's work. Like you said, it's, it literally is, it's not easy to do. And that's why certain things, this is where having a multidisciplinary interdisciplinary understanding of life is very critical because you, if you now, like I have a personal training certification, so I was really into health. I run a health and wellness coaching business. And when you look at the, the impact of uh, physiology onto attentiveness and being able to separate yourself from your thoughts. If you are sleepy, if you are hungry, if you have to use the restroom, if something else has happened, all of these are factors that make it much more difficult for you to separate yourself from your thoughts. 
And so that's why like if you're eating unhealthy, you're then automatically going to be more susceptible to becoming a victim of riding the train ride of your thoughts. Mm. And when you ride the train ride of your thoughts, you're more likely to become emotional and have more meaning and story that is not actually reality. And when you create emotion and stories and reality and those things that are not actually reality, you're more likely to make decisions that are going to be more harmful for you in reality as well. And when you make decisions that are more harmful for you in reality, all of a sudden you're having a worse off reality and your ability to get a McLaren and a Lambo and go to Jannah or, you know, or on the opposite, becoming a homeless person, all of that stems from your inability to separate yourself from your thoughts. And so how you eat and your nutrition has an impact on whether or not you're going to go to Jannah. Mm. Right? It has an impact on, because it's all, it's all a chain reaction. Yeah. Right, whether or not you're getting enough sleep at night is going to impact your ability to separate yourself from your thoughts. Because if you are, if your, if your physiology, you don't have the energy to be able to fight off the like you're just in your thoughts, too much in your thoughts, then you're going to be more susceptible to the emotions and the narratives and the stories and everything we talked about here today to attribute to those, and then you're going to make poorer decisions. Same way, like if you're not taking, like that's why health is so important here, right? There, there, you have to have an inter interdisciplinary understanding of this. In the same way, we're gonna probably have a podcast episode about relationships, where if you don't understand the basics of relationships and you have issues in your relationships and that has difficulty in, like it's just causing your brain to just like loop and loop and loop and loop because you're upset with your spouse or you're upset with your parents or you have a very poor relationship with your friends or you know whatever that might be, that's also gonna cause you not to be able to separate yourself from your thoughts because you're gonna be just in your head all the time. And then as a result, again, repeat the cycle, emotions, stories, narrative, meaning to the thoughts, you create poor decisions because you're not seeing reality, how reality is supposed to be. So it's all encompassing. You cannot separate one thing from the other. How you do one thing is how you do everything. And so health, relationships, um, like it's, it's all related to being able to, this is the core thing in life, separating yourself from your thoughts. The more you can separate yourself from your thoughts, you're going to be able to make better decisions and your decisions are going to have a better quality of life for you overall. Damn. It's, it's really interesting that you brought that up because literally this past week I've been thinking about that. Like I, I think throughout high school, I kind of like built up this belief in myself that I'm an anxious person. And so anytime I like feel this sense of like anxiety come up, I'm like, that's just who I am. But I think this past week I was like, I was trying to break it down to that level where it's like, okay, let me practically see what up the chain of events led me to get to this pit, I guess, of where I'm thinking right now. And it's... Yeah, that, that, no, that was a beautiful way to say it. Everything has an interaction on the way you think. And it's important to not single out one thing and actually look at everything holistically. Have to. Like if you just, if that, that's, where, that's where medicine in today's world has taken a messed up issues because you go and like you say, oh, my knee hurts. Uh, cool, we're going to do knee surgery. But nine times out of 10, if you study mobility, uh, you will see that your knee might hurt because your back, like your, like your back might be messed up and therefore it's causing your knee to hurt. And so if you don't have a holistic viewpoint and looking at the whole picture, you end up solving for symptoms and not the actual root problem. And so that's why you have to look at it as a whole thing. Like you can't, you can't separate one separate thing from this is if you have certain issues with controlling your emotions, your diet could be a factor for that. If you have difficulty controlling your emotions, your sleep might be a contributing factor to that. If you have difficulty controlling your emotions, like your relationship with your spouse might be a contributing factor. There's a lot of hodgepodge that's related to there and you have to step back and have a holistic viewpoint once you want like that's step two though first step is for everybody listening to this you have to first understand what it is that we talked about which is events happen create thoughts throw those thoughts you create meaning story or emotion you then program your reticular activation system to see confirmation for those things and that creates a bias or that creates a belief excuse me right and then once you have that belief you then create decisions based on that belief and that lens that you have on reality that's the foundation once you understand that it's like okay now how do i make sure that I can stay in the separation between my thoughts and myself and always be able to monitor those so that way you're being vigilant across the entire spectrum. No, that's great. And you summarize essentially what this conversation was about. And I guess just to add on to that, the practical steps that we discussed or we, we kind of hinted at, you said an advanced technique is to kind of list out all your values and the things that kind of impact the way that you want to, uh, to believe about things or uh, the way you go about your life and always mm -hmm. referring back to that when it comes to these decisions or choices that you have to make because that's essentially the core of what you you are I guess yeah yeah okay. and a good book if you guys want to read a good book on this uh, if you read a book it's called Psycho Cybernetics by Dr. Dr. Maxwell Maltz um, he basically goes into this so the backstory of this book is that uh, Dr. Maltz was a uh, plastic surgeon and he was so fascinated by this concept that ended up happening with people was that they would 
think that they are ugly. And then whenever he would give them a brand new nose, which is like a Hollywood nose that like, you know, get a nose job or they get like, you know, a face, like, you know, facelift or whatever it might be, they still think they're ugly. And he's like, how is this possible? Like they're li- like they're, they look at the mirror and that's where he started really researching like body disform, body dysmorphia and how people don't like, they look in the mirror and they don't see what is actually in the mirror. It's like literally like you cannot, it doesn't get any more reality than looking in a mirror. Like you look at a mirror. It's like, if I measure your arms are four inches long, they're four inches. Like, why do you see things not as four inches? Like something's wrong here. You're not seeing reality for how reality is. And so he got really interested in this. And so therefore he wrote this entire book of his research findings that he found. He basically became a scientist after that. And he basically broke down this concept of beliefs and self-image. And so that's the first book that kind of goes into this. And then if you want like the rated R version of that, which not in a graphic, like bad word, but like the, PhD doctoral version of this. There's another book called Reality Transurfing, which is like 800 pages long. And that's why I say it's like the rated R version because it's so big on the same topic. But it's like, if you read it, it, it expands on this as well. But the, the basics of it is what we talked about in today's podcast. Okay. I've heard about uh, psychocybernetics. I've had that on my like to read list for like a year now, but I just never got to it. But I think yeah. after this conversation, I'll definitely give it a shot. But Absolutely. I, I think that's a beautiful way to, to wrap it all up, to give the practical advice and discuss um, what we talked about. So, yeah, this yeah. podcast so, was yeah. about beliefs, about building your beliefs it. and the awareness and knowledge of knowing that just knowing this whole system, honestly, in a way is enough to kind of start breaking at your own internal way of thinking. Um, yeah. Any, any closing thoughts? Yeah. Uh, I mean, bottom line is just, the more you learn about how the game is played, I promise you will become a better player and really educate yourself on how this is this entire game is played because it's so surprising how little people know about the game that they've been playing their entire life. And so the more you learn about it, the better you will be having at chances of getting your McLaren and your Lamborghini. So go out there, get your get your Lambos. That's the most important thing, as you guys know. <laughs> and of course, getting Jenna and making sure you're not homeless and making the money that you want, making the impact that you want and going out there and crush it. So yeah, I guess we will catch you guys on the next one. Oh yeah, yeah. All right. All right. We'll call Assalamu that a wrap today. <laughs>